Welcome to Educated Messes, a podcast to help you sift through the bullshit around work, well-being, and relationships. We'll ask questions, seek answers, and share experiences to help you navigate the messier parts of life. Because trial and error is a lot easier when we do it for you. Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm Kyla, and today we're talking about healthy boundaries. We sure are. We're just going to jump right into it today. Um, I think first defining what type of boundaries we're talking about. Um, Today we're talking about emotional boundaries. And the definition for that is separating or the ability to separate your emotions and your responsibility for them from others, Mm -hmm. which I thought was pretty interesting. Uh Oh, the first interesting. (laughs) (laughs) It's begun. I know I read the same thing, like setting boundaries is you taking responsibility for your own actions and your own emotions and then it's also you knowing not to take responsibility for other people's actions and emotions so guilty of that which one do you think is harder i personally feel like i take responsibility for other people's emotions Mm. a lot of the time like i get really emotionally involved in other people's issues What? No, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like they're both pretty difficult, but I'm sure typically people have one that maybe is like more of an Achilles heel to them. What about you? I think I would probably be the same because I think for me, because being vulnerable is hard, I don't think I often unload a lot of my emotions on people because it's uncomfortable for me to do that in the first place. Hmm. Even if I like mildly unloaded, I'd be like, they were so annoyed by that conversation. (laughs) You shouldn't have told them that. (laughs) Mine would be more, yeah, taking on others and not knowing like when to be like, this is not my shit to deal with. I would agree. I feel like you do that. (laughs) I do. (laughs) I'm glad we agree. (laughs) Okay. Um, I was looking into why weak boundaries um, happen, like where does that come from? And I found a couple of things. I didn't go too deep into this one because we kind of wanted to talk more about how to know when your boundaries are being crossed and how to know what your boundaries are. But I thought it was a little bit, um, I want to say interesting again. (laughs) I thought it was a little interesting, (laughs) enlightening. Um, That, um, well, obviously from childhood, but the, the specific origins of that would be um like if you were praised for kind of putting others needs above your own or if you were not allowed to say no to things or like scolded for saying no um those could be two areas that um lead to weak boundaries in adulthood yeah that makes sense to me I feel like also before we were doing this we were talking about how like maybe I would say like women in like a heteronormative sense Mm -hmm. are often when they're young you're definitely like told that you should agree be more agreeable and like I was even there's that I saw something the other day that was talking about how this I guess this mom there was like a group of boys in her house that were like her son and his friends Mm -hmm. and then a group of young girls her daughter and her friends I think this was our girl Glennon again was it yeah and she asked them hey is anybody hungry because she was going to offer to make some food and the boys all went yep and just instantly responded and the girls like all looked at each other and like were like making eye contact and like trying to collectively decide if individually they were hungry and then they were kind of like oh 
um, yes, sure. Like the fact that they needed sort of to come to the decision as a group, yeah. I just thought was an interesting example of like how we're so we're so um, taught to be polite yeah. that even when it's something so basic, like are you hungry? Yes or no? It's not. There's not. You yeah. don't need to check no in one else with someone. Tell you. Yeah. <laughs> That's an internal thing. <laughs> um, the fact that you would ever need to lean on someone for that mm. answer, I think, is sometimes something that women experience to yeah. a greater degree. That totally reminds me of um, something I talked with my therapist about recently is I don't know if this is like an actual clinical term but good girl syndrome Mm -hmm. which is basically like explains what you were just talking about how like you're taught to be agreeable Mm -hmm. and kind of I mean basically like perfectionism is all tied up in that but how it definitely gets brought into adulthood and yeah I definitely think it could be trickier for women yeah and I think also boundaries to me are so heavily intertwined with self-esteem to me Mm -hmm. If you have high self-esteem, I think you set healthy boundaries. And I think if you have healthy boundaries, your self-esteem probably benefits from them as well. Like I think they're kind of related in that way because I often think that it's folks who it's like the areas where maybe you're more insecure that you're less Mm. firm on boundaries and that doesn't help increase your self-esteem either. It's like a vicious, I always say this wrong, is it a vicious circle or a vicious cycle? Cycle. It's a vicious cycle. I think so. I feel like both are feasible. (laughs) Both are kind of cyclical. Yeah. (laughs) You'd be fine either, but I think it's cycle. Okay, well, we'll throw that in the fact check. (laughs) Um, So the next thing I was looking into was how to know if you have weak boundaries. So kind of like the symptoms of weak (laughs) boundaries. Um, And I honestly think I have learned that I have weak boundaries in a lot of ways. Um, So this was a little enlightening for me. That'll be my new interesting. <laughs> it's perfect. <laughs> um, so violations would be like taking responsibility for how other people feel um, or letting how they feel dictate how you feel as well. Um, sacrificing your own needs to please others. Um, yeah, basically blaming others for your problems and accepting responsibility for others' problems as well. Yeah. Sound familiar? <laughs> Some of those for sure. I feel like even if you are really good at setting healthy boundaries I think like it's so something that's a practice like you're going to have certain people or certain situations that I think like are more difficult to lay that down Mm -hmm. and I also think we were just talking about like how to tell when or even like hindsight is 2020 so much with that stuff because we both have had experiences recently and like last year where so clearly you're like okay a boundary was crossed and mm-hmm. this is how I wish I ha- I would have responded but in the moment you're like you kind of go into like fight or flight mode it's yeah. hard to get super clear on like what my boundaries are how do I enforce them right now how much energy do I give to this interaction like mm-hmm. I just think it's so easy to look back on it and go just like oh honestly I feel like the best thing to do would have been like x y or z but yeah. in it I think like for me i if a boundary is being crossed, I feel it like so viscerally in my body. Yes, like yeah. I think I go into like adrenaline mode and then I'm just like reacting. I'm having, I have a hard time turning it into a proper response. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a really good segue. Um, I had been looking into a little bit of like, how can I tell if my boundaries have been crossed? Because I think in a lot of ways it's difficult or people don't really know how to tell what they're feeling like mm-hmm. I think that is something I've learned a lot in the past couple of years in myself mm-hmm. in particular but um I might have mentioned this in a past episode but that feelings are instructive and whenever you're feeling something that's your body kind of trying to communicate with you and 
one way to tell if your boundaries are being crossed or like I guess in hindsight you can check in and if you're feeling angry that's a really good sign that someone has crossed a boundary. I mean, as an Enneagram type eight, I'm like angry so often that maybe you have a lot of boundaries. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe I'm just like kind of a cow sometimes. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> One um, kind of indicator of weak boundaries is that you try to justify the situation. Mm. Um, so like making excuses for others' bad behavior or like blaming yourself for for that feeling. Um so an example of that would be like, oh, like maybe this was an example when I was researching. If like your partner was cheating on you, you might think like, oh, if I was just like X, Y, Z, they they wouldn't have done that. Oh, yeah. When, yeah, when we talk about Enneagram, it's something that definitely comes up when you're learning about it, about how there's such a big difference between being self-aware and like you can have your qualms about like a personality test. I think if you if you understood Enneagram enough, you'd come to learn that the whole point is like not to put you in a box. But I get that some people are like, mm-hmm. oh, I don't like that. And one thing that they have to be like, there's lots of warning around is not to then use those things as like a crutch. So like mm-hmm. as an eight, I remember listening to podcasts when I was first learning about it where I remember this person was talking about how she was an eight and she would say things like yeah I'm a bitch and like that's who I am and like Mm. shit like that where I was just like that is the exact opposite of the point like to to go like oh well this is who I am and therefore like I'm allowed to behave in a way that is like not fair not appropriate I think it is so important to understand when you're using those things as a crutch and when you're justifying it like justifying your own actions that way or someone else's like even if you have a friend who's like introverted or or some like facet of their personality I think if it's causing you harm it's not a good enough excuse like you know what I mean at a certain point they need to take responsibility for like how it's affecting someone else yeah and I have to I have to realize that too with their there are parts of an eight or like parts of my personality in general that are not my favorite Mm -hmm. and to understand the impact of that when I behave that way with others is important yeah no it's true Taking responsibility for your own emotions and yes. yeah, not putting that on others for sure. Absolutely. Something that I was thinking about with this is, and I guess this kind of goes in with like checking in with, um, with yourself when you're feeling angry or um, how you were saying like you wish in hindsight you could have done something differently mm-hmm. is how do you know what your boundaries are and how do you communicate those boundaries um, when you find yourself in a situation that someone might be trying to cross one or crossing one of your boundaries um there's a couple things I wanted to touch on here the first just being like what are your core values um I think that's not something that people really take a minute to think about and really live your life in a way that is aligned with those so when I was reading articles on this it was saying basically like take a minute write down your core values and then kind of figure out where in your life you're compromising on those values and how you can bring those things into alignment. Yeah, one exercise I did around core values that I found really helpful was with a, like a coach once we did, uh, she had asked me to write down my 20 core values that came to mind, which mm. is a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> and then you would go from there, you'd split them into th- like values that you created that are important to you, values that you feel are important because of like your family, like trying to separate it into like external values and internal values. Like, okay, is this actually important to you at your Mm. core or is it something that you've been told is important and therefore are writing it down? 
And then you would remove all the external ones and sort of go back in and like resort them from first to last and, and continue to narrow them down that way. And I just found it was really helpful because I had a couple on there that I felt like were like tried and true, like my core values. And it's like, actually, that thing might not be as important to me as it is to a family member or a yeah. friend. And just because I'm near them or I hear about it doesn't doesn't mean in my core I actually feel like it's that important. Hmm. Yeah. And it's easy to just assume that it is when mm-hmm. it's something that you've been taught or brought up with. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think questioning your beliefs is something that everyone should take a minute to do. I also think like sharing your core values with people around you would be like a very healthy practice because even for me, like I think the people who are really close to me would be very aware that like honesty for me mm-hmm. is just like there are so many things I'd let slide, but like honesty at its core, I'm just like such a hard, like yeah. it's so important. And I feel like if you don't tell the people around you that that is like an expectation yes. you have, then you're kind of setting yourself up sometimes like for disappointment. If maybe that's not one of their core values, they might not know to behave a certain way. Yeah, maybe those people don't need to be around. <laughs> yeah, I don't really think honesty is that important. But I mean, honesty could be like their 10th instead of their yeah. first. And their first could be like compassion. It doesn't make them a bad person. It just well, might be like. <laughs> sounds like a liar. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting, great, <laughs> was, um, w- okay, so when you're in a situation, someone's maybe cro- like crossing one of your boundaries or something's happening, um, know that no and no is a complete sentence. Um, this is something I've been trying to really practice is not um, explaining myself in in situations where I don't need to be like explaining myself, like for example, um, at work or something, I'll be like, "Oh, could we change this meeting time?" Because da 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 da. Like I would try and, and justify or, or or explain further than is just like, "Can we do this thing?" Like that is it. And I think again with women, like doubting yourself and over explaining yourself and the "Does this make sense?" type feelings, um, they feel really relevant here. I feel like I am okay at saying no. I think I am someone who like usually finds that word and is okay with it. I'd say for me, so much of boundaries has to do with like my energy being Mm. spent in ways that like it doesn't need to be. And so for me, I think it's actually boundaries for me are like letting go of stuff. Like it's not so much even just being like no, like that initial feeling for me it's like I need to learn when no communication is necessary and it should just be like a clear set like this person doesn't deserve your energy and therefore like don't even like dive into the why and like trying to unpack it like some people just like don't deserve you doing that for them so for me I think like the art of letting go when it comes to like okay you've crossed boundaries maybe a certain number of times and I'm just like at this point there's no more communication to be had if someone's just like actively aware of the boundary they're crossing and continuing to do it I think for me it's like not giving them any more of like my time and space to like continue to behave in a way that's not fair and that I think ties right back to you're not responsible for how other people feel and they're not responsible for how you feel so if you let them continue to cross your boundaries over and over at the end of the day, that's on you because you're not respecting your own boundaries. 
it is dicey though. Like, yes, I'm not responsible for how someone else, someone else feels, but if it's how I've made them feel, then I am. Or am I not? This is something I've been thinking about a lot. So you can't control how other people feel or react to anything you do. And I think that we do take that on. Like, I think that is what this is saying is like, if someone gets angry because you have set a boundary, you're not responsible for that. Like, they have to deal with that. Right. Yeah, you are not responsible for the upset that someone might feel because you are respecting your own boundaries. Yeah, I get what it means in in that regard. That definitely makes sense around, like, if I've set a boundary and that now offends you, like, that's not my shit. That's yeah. yours. I feel like I struggle with that because I have such a desire to be liked by so many. If, if possible, all would be best. <laughs> and so... For me to, like, draw a line in the sand and just be like, no, you're, like, we're done here. I need you to, like, exit. Mm -hmm. I'm just, then I'm, it's so hard for me to not be caught up in, like, oh, we could have just been civil. We could have, like, still remain, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I, like, want to just not have bad blood out there. And to me, for some reason, that's what that feels like, even though I'm very aware that, like, you setting a boundary is a good, healthy thing. It's not you being, like malicious but I have a hard time wrapping my head around the idea of like just exiting someone and then like not maintaining some sort of like yeah civility yeah that actually civility (laughs) civil we're gonna go I don't know (laughs) um that is actually a good segue again to um how you can communicate uh, in a way that hopefully... I feel like I'm in therapy right now. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. This is what my therapy is yeah. like. Um, how you can communicate to people in a way that shouldn't upset them or yeah. anger them unless they have their own shit, which is possible. I also but. feel like immaturity would be such a reason why someone would oh, yeah. not... You know what I mean? Like, there's people where I could be like, you've crossed a boundary and they would just like not even be able to take the time to like consider what that would mean. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um so one framework for communication that I really love is uh, it's called NVC, so nonviolent communication. Um, and this is kind of a way that you can express um, when your needs are not being met and um, in a way that isn't, I guess, pointed um, and that won't put people into that defensive mode that I think you were kind of talking about there. So it's uh, made I'm up of... I'm terrible at this. Well, maybe this is a learning moment. Yeah, I'm listening. <laughs> So it's made up of four components. So it's observations, feelings, needs and values, and then requests. So an example of how you might structure that. And this is something that I actually use. (laughs) I know you do. Kyla coaches me on this. I'll be like, how should I respond to this? And she'll just be like, here's an example of what it would sound like for you to use NVC in replying to this message. And she'll say it. My initial reaction is like, that is not what I want to say. Like, What I want to say is like, much more yes. rage-filled than it's that. It's much more fun in the moment to just, like, let your emotions go bleh at yeah. somebody. And, like, I definitely had a moment the other night where I was like, I just want to be shitty. Like, I just, like, I snapped. But this yeah. always is going to get you what you want more than the <laughs> anger. <laughs> I guess the part I struggle with is, like, does everyone deserve your NVC? I don't because, think like, so. Because, like, that person that was DMing me, I'm just, like, Oh, do you want to give a little bit of context? For yeah, this? I guess so. So I was sharing like everyone else who has a heart in the world. I was sharing lots of posts around like Black Lives Matter and like different things that I was using as resources that I was finding really helpful. And someone that I know from the town I grew up in, who I thought to be a friend, 
um, started messaging me like very very mean, <laughs> mean, mean messages, <laughs> not really on topic, just about how I was self-loathing and pathetic and divisive and just like horrible mean shit. And like, of course, my initial response was like to try to understand like why, but then it when it became like name calling, I was like, yeah, I go into such like, I'm just like, oh my God, I, like my f- initial feeling is just to be like, I'm like, don't really want to swear, but like, like, what the fuck are you sending me this for? What are you yeah. talking about? Like, no. I was just, like, yeah. so angry. And then sending it to Kyla and just being like, well, the this is the example of her being like, well, this is how you could respond if you wanted to use this tool. And I did and used it and no response, obviously. Yeah. But there's a part of me that's, like, I'm grateful I responded that way because I did feel like the bigger person. Like, I felt like I took the – higher ground or whatever but it does feel a little bit like also this was it was just bullying in its essence there was it wasn't like this person was like trying to engage in a thoughtful conversation they're just name calling like being like yeah absolutely a child and so there's a part of me that just is like does this even warrant my energy and like a thoughtful thoughtfully curated response probably not but again you're so right in that like I do feel better for having responded in a way that, like, I'm proud of. I was very civil and kind and just sort of, like, wanted to understand why there was so much anger. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I do look back on it now and I go, like, no one could look at that and say I somehow, like, instigated. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I didn't take part in it. So I do think you're right in that, like, I do end up feeling better. But it's so hard to convince yourself that's the right thing to do when what you're feeling is, like, anger Mm -hmm. and like hurt and all these things where you want to respond in a way that feels a little bit more on par with the (laughs) messages you're receiving that's that's such a good example though because that anger is like yeah you had a boundary crossed and that was probably like the need for mutual respect or like okay so i'll kind of give you the structure of what like a nonviolent sentence might be um, and then we can maybe apply it to, like, that situation if, if it makes sense. But I'll just read my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how this would be structured would be, I feel blank when you blank because I need blank. Would you be willing to blank? So that's, like, I, I feel upset mm-hmm. when you attack me. <laughs> okay, there's very specific ways to, to fill these blanks. Um, like, it shouldn't be loaded with judgment or words that will put them into defensive mode like Mm -hmm. the goal of this type of communication is to maintain relationships and and communicate in a way so like it's not a great example when there's just like a bully (laughs) in your dms but um so i feel upset when you are saying these things to me because i need to feel respected and um in order to have good conversations would you be willing to explain to me why you feel these things blah 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 that's like, like almost exactly how I responded. It, yeah. I was like, can you tell me a little bit more? I mean, there was a bunch at the beginning as well, but I ended it with sort of like, can you tell me a little bit more about what you mean by this as a way of trying to understand like I, what nerve I struck and mm-hmm. in, in hopes to like have a conversation that ended in a better way than what we yeah. were currently having. Um so yeah, I did end up choosing words like that. But yeah, I, I was very cautious to make it not like, not using words like, yeah, you're attacking me or like you're, you know what I mean? I didn't even really draw attention to that. I was just sort of like trying to create an in for like a healthier type of discourse around a topic that 
like I would have wanted to understand what I had said that had felt so, you know, I'd struck some sort of chord. Yeah. 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 I think in that situation, too, it's very telling that this person did not respond. Um, You didn't respond in the way that they wanted, which was with anger and to get a rise. And so they did. They stopped engaging. So even in that situation, if the goal was to de-escalate, yeah, that also happened. Yeah. I think just as we're talking about like an online version of this, it's been so important to me boundaries wise to uh, Jamila Jamil always says block, mute, delete, repeat. And I just feel like setting healthy online boundaries like with a person like that who you can't seem to have like a healthy conversation with is just like get this person out of like yeah. your bubble For online. Sure. Like it's not necessary. I totally want people to try to engage with people that don't maybe have the same beliefs in them to try to like let's have healthy conversations. But at a certain point it's like, okay, get this. Yeah. Get this energy and person and vibe. Like I don't need to ever be reminded of this. Yeah. I think that that's what I've been hearing too and like the best way to go about in particular, this applies to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, the the kind of techniques to navigate conversations like that and when to know when it is a, a lost cause, I mm-hmm. guess, like when you are not going to get through to this person. And I think that is a situation where like he, would, he just wanted to yeah. make someone angry. But I do think that if it, it worked, <laughs> <laughs> it worked. But if it if it was a situation where someone really just disagreed with the point you were making, opening up that dialogue in this way would have been much better than just kind of like a yelling match. I absolutely agree. And yeah. I think like that is why I look back on it and go like I'm proud of that response because it was the it was the appropriate thing to do. And it's just like had it been someone else, I would be so interested in like how that conversation could have continued mm-hmm. and the alternative to it would have just been me, I don't know, behaving in a, in this in a similar fashion and then it's like it doesn't even exist then. Like you've just now you're just bullying each other and your DMs like what is the point of this it wasn't about me it was about something greater and like I felt like it was my responsibility to take the high road and as a way of starting a discussion I'm proud of you too (laughs) oh it was pretty much you acting on my behalf I like Jesus took the wheel I was like (laughs) red eyes like couldn't (laughs) yeah well (laughs) Yeah, I also think the part where, like, I struggle a little bit with the whole sort of, like, dialogue around boundaries is I do feel like, and Kyla might disagree with me on this, I do feel like our generation is sometimes pretty quick to draw a line in the sand. And so, like, I think sometimes we we have all of these, like, pieces of information where people are, like, set healthy boundaries, like, learn to say no to things, like, da-da-da-da-da. And what I sometimes think it does is, like, if you don't fully understand it and you think that it's just you being able to, like, I don't know, like, exit situations that otherwise you might have tried to, like, give energy into, I just hope that there's some sort of balance where we're not just, like, canceling friendships and things because they're not always easy because – In my mind, like, of course, boundaries are important. And also, like, if you've been friends with someone for, like, more than a decade or, like, five years, like, guaranteed you've gone through times that, like, were not good. Mm -hmm. And that goes for, like, obviously a romantic relationship as well. And I just think, like, there's so much value in nurturing those things. I think that 
when your friends are going through tough times, your friendship to them is standing by them while they go through it. Yeah. I guess it just comes to a point where it's like, at what point do you sub yourself out? And I'm not definitely not an expert on that. I guess just sometimes I feel like people are really quick to be like, oh, no, this person crossed a line. They're done. And I'm just like, okay. And also we need to be like forgiving and accepting. And like, I think the reason why I struggle sometimes to set boundaries is in my mind, I justify it as like, if I made a mistake or if I was going through like a bit of a dark period and I wasn't exactly like enjoyable to be around, mm-hmm. I would really need my friends to like kind of buckle up and be there for me in hopes that like it goes both ways. Yeah. I, I'm sure that I'm oversimplifying. Like I'm sure that if you know, know enough about boundaries, you know that that's not what it means. I just see some stuff sometimes where I'm like, Cutting toxic people out, important. Yeah. And also, like, being a good friend to someone who's, like, maybe not their, like, normally sunny self for yeah. a little while, also real good thing to do. Yeah. But I think a, a good check-in is – and it does take a, per- a long period of time, and I think that is important, these longer friendships. I think it's for that type of friendship, like, the average of mm-hmm. how that person makes you feel. Like, do you more often feel drained and bad after you're with them or do you feel good? Um, and I think like, yeah, you could take into account like what are they going through? And even in that scenario, if they're going through a hard time, I think absolutely you should be with them and you should also check in and check in with yourself and how you can best show up for them. Um, something that I often feel like I do is is I love talking with people and helping them like sort through their feelings and I'm not a <laughs> clinical therapist by any means You're but not. <laughs> I, well <laughs> but I do like I have gone to a lot of therapy and, and I think I, I think, have tools to offer I think I, think I can is, be a good friend sometimes. I think I am a therapist um but I think it's about checking in and seeing how much of my energy I am using and knowing that I cannot fix other people's problems you try, though. I sure do. You put in so, so much effort oh to try. I, this is actually a boundary that I have. <laughs> I should be paying you. <laughs> but it is something that I've had to um, just for myself with a couple yeah. people is just to know that, okay, like, am I? It's, can you remember that? tweet oh this is an internet reference they were going around where it's like are you in the headspace to receive information that like (laughs) like how to check in with people okay i was for you yeah Yeah. i was just about to say that i feel like my absolute favorite learning when it comes to this is like if i have something that happened that i need to unload on someone which like again i think is like a natural and healthy thing to do starting with like hey like where are you at right now this like something happened I'd love to talk to you about it but like only if you're in the right headspace to receive it and it's something Kyla and I got into the practice of doing with one another and I've started doing it with other friends and when I see friends practice it with me like I'll receive a message that's like hey this just happened and I'd love to talk to you about it but I also know you're dealing with Mm -hmm. x y and z like do you have enough space for Mm -hmm. this to me, it's like there's so much respect in that statement where it's like, first of all, I'm like might just not be in the headspace to give you any valuable advice because I might be like bogged down in my own shit. So it's also just like a gauge of like, how is this conversation going to be beneficial for either of us? Yeah. And then it's just like being so respectful of my boundaries to just like ask me if I'm in the like mode to take on like an entire 
thing and then because essentially like once you share something with me like it's not like I'm just gonna drop it like I would definitely want to check in with that person and like Mm -hmm. help them work through it and that takes a lot of emotional energy and I love doing that as well like I love being a listener to my friends and like supportive and talking things through and also I do get invested in it and so then it's about like making sure I actually had enough space to like fully dive into that do you think if someone approached you in that way you would say no I have before and I also have things where like one of our good friends reached out to me recently and was like this just happened I want to chat with you about it but I know you're dealing with a couple things like do you have the space for this and I remember replying like hey I first kind of want to gauge like what you're looking for whether Mm. it's like a listening ear or like advice I feel like are very different like yes can I listen to you and just like share in this experience with you so you're not alone? Yeah, absolutely. I can handle that right now. Can I walk you through like the 10 steps we need to take to like unpack this and understand why it happened, how to avoid it happening again right now? Like maybe not. I don't know. Like, so I don't know that I've ever just given like an outright no, but I've definitely found myself like kind of getting a little bit more curious around like what it what's the expectation here because sometimes it's like maybe we've had this conversation before or like maybe I'm finding it taxing I think it's so sometimes it's not a no but I've had friends who like will reach out to me and be like how are you and I'll respond and like especially if it's someone I don't talk to that often like usually that means like how are you like from a to z like what's going on with you like kind of like fill me in my like least favorite thing is getting a how are you text and then responding and even like maybe sharing something that's like coming up for you and then having them be like oh well this is what's going on with me I'm this this and this I'm really struggling with this I'm like whoa (laughs) like you just tricked me you tricked me into thinking we were talking about how I am and now it's like we're just having this whole conversation and we're like I'm like I wasn't ready I like kind of need like a heads up we're about to do this especially like over text like I freaking I hate having those conversations over text. So I'm just like, if you need a buddy, like, oh my God, absolutely would love to. But I do feel like now I'm kind of like, can you give me a heads up? Yeah. That's, yeah. I think that ties into the like, people shouldn't have access to your energy and emotions at all times. Yeah. Um, I also feel like during the pandemic, people were talking about like, just because I'm at home doesn't mean I'm available. Oh like, just because I'm, you know, I'm not like out and about doing shit doesn't mean that I'm like at your beck and call to be someone to talk to like I felt like there were a lot of posts circulating about that because I think it was even funny people were talking about like how they didn't know how to end a phone call anymore because you can't be like "Ah, I've got to run because it's just like you're sitting at home like everyone knows yeah (laughs) and being able to just be like I'm ending this conversation like you don't we use all these excuses all the time that really it's just like I'm done with this conversation I just thought it was funny there was all these like things circulating around that because people I think were really struggling to like get out of a phone call or like not answer a phone call because yes. it's like yes yes am I available to answer a phone call yes am I like emotionally ready to do so no yeah. that's so a like our time problem of, with cell yeah. phones is just like people have access to you 24 7 it's and even the difference between like text and emails like yeah I, someone texts me and I feel like my expectation is to respond within an hour yeah yeah or, or like slack like all of these instant <sighs> messaging I had to delete slack off my phone because I was just I like I used to have that boundary oh yeah. I crossed my own boundary I hate that yeah I think there's also <laughs> you need to be careful when setting boundaries that like they're not um 
I don't know, like selfish in a sense. Like I was, there was a tweet that was circulating that was like, look at me on the internet. (laughs) It was like during this pandemic, you really see who your real friends are, who's checking up on you, making sure you're okay. Remember that when this is all over. And there was a rebuttal to it that was like, I feel like we need to constantly remind ourselves that the entire world does not revolve around us. Testing people's loyalties during a pandemic is narcissistic. And I was like, that just so perfectly like encapsulates how sort of my like issue with boundaries sometimes where it's like okay is no one like is your friend not going to reach out to you during this time like oh they're toxic get rid of them and it's like oh my god we're barely keeping our heads above water right now like your friend's ability to be a good friend right now is probably compromised so like yeah don't be a dick about it (laughs) like I just think like don't write people off because they don't fall into like a certain expectation you've set, especially if you haven't communicated that expectation. Yeah. Have you reached out to them or are they just supposed to know I you think like? That's a huge thing is communicating your expectations yeah. and boundaries. That's kind of the give and take of what a good friendship is and, and each person's boundaries. So if it's someone needs a bit more reassurance, then they can communicate that and then you can, as uh, to the best of your abilities, you can, you know give them what they need but yeah it's so much about communication yeah and it's about like unique friendships like what people's love languages are like how you can show them you care and things like that it's going to be unique I think the other important thing is like not all of your friends are going to provide you the same level of like advice or or comfort or reassurance like I think people need to understand that like friends have different personalities and different strong suits and therefore offer you different things and that's the benefit of having friends is that they're offering you different things if one friend offered you like if all friends offered the same thing you there'd be no point having more than one I think when we were talking a little bit about vulnerability I can be like such a like when people are really good at being vulnerable I'm like always in awe of it and what I was learning when we were talking about boundaries is like the difference between vulnerability and oversharing and how to understand when someone is like crossing boundaries by oversharing Mm. and so like shared vulnerability brings people closer together that's the point of it whereas like oversharing is usually like can be used to manipulate or like hold another person emotionally hostage or like force a relationship in a certain direction and It was, like, if someone's being, like, TMI red flags, like, people who post, like, rants on social media or, like, give you a download of their daily drama or, like, maybe share super intimate details about themselves to, like, hurry a friendship or a relationship along. Like, first date are just saying things that, like, maybe should wait for a fifth date. Like, I just thought that was an interesting distinction between, like, how someone even opening up to you and sharing things with you can cross a boundary and how to, like, keep those physical checks and balance of like am I feeling like physically awkward or like am I not responding and also to learn to pick up those cues in others like if I started to share something with someone else and they were like maybe not really responding or like backing away or like their body language was showing me that like they were not engaged then I think it's like a pretty good sign that you've probably started to talk about something they're not comfortable with yeah and that's crossing a boundary too like even if you think you're like funny and like being super unfiltered it's like well if it's making someone physically uncomfortable like it's not funny yeah (laughs) I can think of a lot of situations where like male co-workers Mm. have like maybe you know yeah that's a whole dicey situation as well but where like I just don't engage and it doesn't stop like that obviously like I don't say anything and that's the whole kind of like tricky thing or like oh well I didn't know I shouldn't say anything but yeah it's like 
I think that you can be responsible for like paying attention to how you're impacting yeah. other people. Um, people making jokes or like making comments where like you're just not getting the response that you think would normally accompany yeah. a joke. There's like, a reason. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that's why it's so interesting when we talk about like taking responsibility for how you feel for and like how that affects others for me how that comes up is like I grew up in a house that like we our love language is sarcasm like I'm such a dry person and it it can be funny at times and it can also be like quite mean and it's never malicious but I totally understand how like if someone didn't grow up with that like level of sarcasm all around them that they wouldn't understand that like my remark was only ever meant to cause laughter and not to hurt feelings but what I learned in high school was like if it's not funny to the person who's like the butt of the joke even though that's not the intention then it's not funny (laughs) like it's just as simple as that it's like there are people who I who I joke around with and who we can be like really scathing and like have these funny conversations and it like lights me up to do that not at people's expense but just like sarcastic Mm -hmm. and there are other people where I absolutely do not use that humor around because I'm like they're sensitive to this and therefore it's not fun and therefore it should it's inappropriate yeah. like so I guess that was just an example where I was feeling like that is me taking responsibility for how I'm making someone else feel because mm. it's like yes maybe I someone could do it to me and I would laugh it off but yeah. that doesn't make it okay we we all yeah, for like sure. handle things differently definitely I think yeah I think um taking into account other people's feelings when you care about people makes sense um and in particular, I think it's negative reactions to you standing up for yourself. I think that a lot of times people take that on. I think yeah. when you're talking about wanting to be liked by everyone, oh yeah, it's such a huge emotional burden yeah. to, to think that way. And I totally get it as well. But and it's taking me so long even now, having started to be so aware of that like in late high school, it's taking me so long even now to be like, okay, but you you are allowed to have an opinion. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? There is there is some wiggle room for like you to be yourself in a way that is genuine and also isn't hurtful. Yeah. I think we I went so far the other way just hoping like everyone would think I was nice. Mm. And then it's like, okay, but I'm now I'm just like stifling things I think about this. The one last thing I wanted to mention about um because we're kind of talking about like when maybe you do bend to someone else and like when that's appropriate and when it's not. And something I read that I really liked was like if you make a sacrifice for someone that you care about, it needs to be because you want to and not because you feel obligated or you fear the consequences of not doing it. So an example they would use is like or that they used was maybe you have like I think some people have like overbearing parents and so like if your parent was like oh I'm gonna call you every day and like check in and maybe to you you like really don't want to do that and that you make the sacrifice to do it if it's because you're like fearing the consequences of you being like no I I actually don't want to talk to you on the phone every day then it's not a good sacrifice to make and that's a boundary that you then should set but if it's something where you're like no, actually, I know how much joy this brings my parent and therefore it's okay for me to take three minutes a day to like just check in and I'm doing it because I like value that relationship. To me, I think that's an, an okay sacrifice to make. I just think it's re- you need to be really clear and like, is this person going to, like am I scared of what's going to happen yeah. if I don't do this? Because then it's like, eesh, that's not good. <laughs> that's a really good point. Um, 
so much of life, it seems, is just like taking that time to check in with yourself. And yeah. I mean, practice mindfulness. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> plug, mindfulness plug. I do think that's so true, though. It's like being able to respond to things instead of react is like an act of mindfulness, too. Oh, absolutely. I also think like being more at peace with yourself. Like to me, I think when a relationship gets super codependent in like an unhealthy way, I think that's just a clear indicator of like two people who aren't setting strong boundaries. So your ability to like know what feels good and what doesn't and like uh, communicate that to someone, I definitely think is like how you build strong friendships and relationships. And Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Know yourself. Yeah, it's hard. I always end on these, like, cliche. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to know yourself, man. <laughs> okay, that's all. Bye. Bye. Here we go. Fact check time. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I've got some facts for you that I've checked. I'm so excited. Um... Okay, there are some good ones in this in this epi. Um, I had a couple other things I wanted to add in around um, some also some opinions of our listeners. We no got, way. We got some feedback via Instagram. So I thought I'd share those as well just because I thought it was interesting to like have more people's opinions on the conversation. Okay. So I kind of put out like a question around what people's relationship was like with boundaries. And in a poll, our followers said that 60% of them felt like they were pretty good at boundaries. And 40% said, no, not so good. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like is pretty relatable. I think I voted no. Yeah, fair. Um, A couple common things that came up were boundaries at work. So things like my boss texts me on the weekend or like Mm. learning how to set those boundaries in a job setting where like you need to like you're trying to set an idea of when you're available and when you're not. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting that a lot of people struggle with that. I think also that's pretty like millennial. Like my parents aren't getting texts from their coworkers. Like <laughs> I think that's sort of a new thing to like even try to reach someone that way. Like e- email has always been the way it's been done in the past, I think. Yeah. yeah. And emails I just feel like I can reply to an email within like business hours. I don't ever feel obligated outside of it, but a text, I'm like, dang. Isn't that weird? It is weird. The medium is the message. (laughs) (laughs) I've never heard that. Really? Mm -mm. Oh, well. Well, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, another common one was lack of boundaries with in-laws or like future in-laws for the people who aren't married but like uh, parents that overstep and it was typically like um, a partner's parents who like didn't understand proper boundaries huh which I thought was really interesting like I can understand how that would be a super awkward conversation around setting boundaries because you're like you know trying to impress these folks and such but apparently there's some major overstepping going on in some of these dynamics. Yeah, that's a hard one. I don't know what I would do in that situation. I think a lot of people just put up with it. Like even yeah. later into life, it seems like people still struggle with that. Well, I feel like it's the the like daughter or son or, or whoever's job to set the boundaries with their parents. You know what I mean? I totally agree. Personal opinion. Okay. 
Yeah, I think that's true. But what if they're kind of like maybe don't quite see it the same way? Like if you're raised in different ways. I don't Ooh, know. I don't know. Tricky, tricky. <laughs> um, so those were some interesting things I just noticed as like themes with people who reached out. Um, another thing I thought was interesting was sort of something we touched on around how like I feel like often folks want to seem super easygoing and flexible and like super chill, especially like in new relationships. Mm-hmm. And so they can act in a way that maybe isn't like fully themselves. And then they like eventually you have to be like, actually, this isn't really my vibe anymore. Yeah. Another thing that I heard about when we had kind of asked about it on social media was one of my friends who works as a nurse shared that they learned a ton about NVC in nursing. They took multiple courses on communication and part of that was learning about NVC. And so for them, it was like related to patient care and because they work with families and like also for talking to physicians and being able to be like assertive in intense situations and also so that they could work well as a team, which is obviously very important in healthcare. But she was saying that she uses it a ton in her personal life as well. And I just thought that was cool because I feel like it's such a helpful tool to have. It's interesting that it's not taught in like more realms. Oh, yeah. I think everyone should learn it. I think everyone would get along much better if NBC was like mandatory learning. Yeah. I, d- I haven't taken like any communication style courses. So I just thought that was cool. She literally responded to one of our stories being like, this takes me back to nursing school. And I was like, oh my God, tell me more about what that means because oh, I, I haven't that. learned about any of this in school. Yeah. So that was cool. Um, in, uh, in the episode, I mentioned a story that uh, like Glennon Doyle, who's an author, she tells this story, I think on a podcast. But I got the accurate story. I kind of gave like a Coles Notes version. It wasn't the best. But she essentially asks a room full of kids, is anybody hungry? And every single boy keeps his eye on the TV and says, yes. The girls are silent at first. Then each girl diverts her eyes from the television screen and scans the faces of the other girls. Each looks to a friend's face to to discover if she herself is hungry. Some kind of telepathy is happening among them. They are polling, they are researching, they are gathering consensus, permission, or denial. Somehow, the collective silently appoints a French-braided, freckle-nosed spokesgirl. She looks away from the faces of her friends and over at me. She smiles politely and says, We're fine, thank you. The boys looked inside themselves. The girls looked outside themselves. So that's like the actual version. So I just wanted to share that because it was like a little bit more succinct than my version. (laughs) Yours is good though. I think yours is pretty close. Thank you. I also think when I'm talking about that story, I I'm, I say something about how it's like in a heteronormative sense, like women in a heteronormative sense. Mm. And I kind of went listening back to it. I was like, I'm not sure if that's the right word because heteronormativity is like the belief in heterosexuality which is predicated on the gender binary, which is sort of what I was saying, like kind of like in a typical, I don't even know what the right word is for it. Um, But I do think that heteronormativity refers more to like sexual orientation than it Mm. does gender. So I don't think it is like the right word for that. Um, So I just wanted to call that out and I will try to figure out more about it. I was having a little bit of trouble trying to think about the right way to say that and maybe there isn't so that's another (laughs) question fair enough good call out yeah 
Um, you bring up good girl syndrome, which definitely there's like lots of discussion about on the internet, but not really like super clear cut, um, like description. So it does say that like research, research suggests that there is like a gender bias that starts early in childhood. Girls are, are more emotionally mature and better behaved and they take their parents' please be good guidance on board from an earlier age where it carries into education and they focus on academic excellence. And then it evolves into people pleasing in the workplace. So like trying to be perfect and avoiding negative feedback. Right. But I wasn't sure if you, is that like sort of how you felt like it was represented or told to you? Yeah, I think I heard or read similar things. And I do remember when my therapist brought this up, she was like, this isn't a clinical term by any means. But I think it's basically like what you just described as women are, are brought up to to be people pleasing. So I would say yeah. that is aligned with my understanding. Okay, cool. I can link a source to it on our website if people are curious. There are a bunch of resources around like how to know if you suffer from this and things like that. Yeah. Um, so if you're interested, I'll, I'll share some stuff there. Um, <laughs> we have a, a, not a debate, but a discussion around whether it's vicious cycle or vicious circle. <laughs> and I think that I was super confident that it was a vicious cycle. Right. And so uh, Merriam-Webster like says like you can kind of say <laughs> both. But my mom was like, absolutely, it's vicious circle, not cycle. Yeah. So one's definitely more common and I think it's vicious circle. And vicious cycle is just like mildly acceptable. So you were fine. Okay. I talk about an exercise I did around core values and I did a really bad job explaining it. So I just wanted to share it in case anyone was interested and I can also put this on the website. But essentially what it is, is you define your values. So you list your top 15 values and then you rank them. So just write them down randomly, like 15 just on a page and then go back and rank them from one to 15 in terms of like what's most important versus like least important for you. And then try to drill down further into why. So like if you if you write down family, try to make it more clear that it's like security or belonging or something like that. And then you write an M next to it if it's mine. So like one of your values that's really yours or an O if it's other. So like it belongs to someone else. So it says like often values that belong to someone else feel like shoulds to you. So um then that's how you kind of differentiate between like what's actually important to you versus like what do you think is important based on maybe how you were raised or things like that. And then you look at the list again and then choose the top five values that have an M next to it um, and then rank them again if necessary. And then those are sort of like that's how you distill it to your top five. And I actually did this exercise and I know it sounds like it seems like you could just do this without writing it all down, but I found it to be super helpful because you, I actually have O's next to a bunch of mine. Like for example, for me, one of them I had written down was like independence. And like, for me, that was then an O because it's actually just something I think I've been told is super important rather than like something I actually value. Hmm. Um, 
the last one I had was at some point I say civility. Um, <laughs> and it, and then we question whether or not it's a word. And it is a word because I'm talking about trying to like not have bad blood with yeah, people. Yeah. And it is exactly what you think it means. It just means like to maintain politeness and courtesy with someone else. So nice. we're fine there on the on the verbiage. And that's all I have. Okay. Well, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>